Welcome to the Investing Evolution Podcast with Vince Esposito and Rob Isbitz from SunGarden Investment Research. We are an investment firm that takes an alternative approach to the most common investor objectives, preservation, income, and long-term growth. We focus on bottom line outcomes, not what everyone else is doing. In this podcast, we clarify confusing investor issues, bust investment myths, and discuss how to invest in any investment climate. Our number one goal is to help you think about investing in a different way, a more straightforward way, without all the fluff and sales tactics of the Wall Street culture. Listen in as we share stories and insights on how to offer a truly unique approach to investing. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to another Investing Evolution podcast. Today is going to uh, not disappoint because this is going to be hard hitting about something many of you have probably heard about, whether at dinner seminars or just in passing. But this is once again how Sun Garden Investment Research really does go above and beyond and make you look at things differently. We're going to talk about thinking in multiple time frames. Your financial services professional should give you the opportunity to understand how different parts of your retirement and your life might mean different aspects of income. So Rob, uh, take it away. Sure. Thanks, Matt. And uh, great to be with you and Vince again. So when we talk about investing in multiple time frames, uh, anybody who is in our industry probably immediately goes to what maybe some folks would consider the gold standard for investing uh, in a combination of things that are sort of short term, intermediate term, long term in terms of your goals called the bucket theory. Uh, well, we are not among the folks that consider that to be the gold standard. In fact, we think it's law filled. I would like to uh, just take people very briefly through the history of that. It's really, it's a form of asset allocation. I think it grew out of the bear markets uh, in 2000 and 2008 uh, periods. And uh, all of a sudden, people were saying, well, wait a minute, if, if I'm going to retire in a couple of years, uh, I need money available then. I can't just be a long-term investor for everything. And so uh, after those bear markets, and, and especially with interest rates having been driven to, to the floor, basically, uh, after the 2008 uh, uh, market calamity, uh, this idea emerged uh, that many financial planners have picked up where they say, okay, put, a, put three, four, five years of, of reserves that you're going to need in cash and then invest the rest of it in in different ways. And I'm not going to you know, get in a whole thing about the bucket theory uh, uh, because uh, uh, we feel like our approach to it is maybe a little bit informed by it, um, but tries to steer clear of many of the flaws in it. And you know, this doesn't just affect the the most wealthy investors. Uh, things like target date funds, 529 plans, those vehicles that uh, many people use to save for college. This all has what we would refer to uh, in, in our lingo as sequence of returns risk. And we'll talk about that as, as we go on uh, you know, for the next uh, uh, 20 minutes uh, or so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, Rob, I think what I'd I like about the bucket theory is that the spirit of it, I think, makes a ton of sense. Uh, I think where a lot of advisors and a lot of folks get tripped up is 
the way they implement the different pieces and the different timeframes involved in, in that particular theory. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all in the, uh, in the execution of the philosophy, right? Yeah. The devil's uh, in the details, right? Yep. That's right. That's right. Uh, which does remind me because I don't know if I'm going to be able to make any, uh, uh sports or baseball analogies on this podcast. Like I usually do. So you do oh. mind if I squeeze one in now, please. Okay. Cause <laughs> you know, what, what did I just say that, that it's one thing that in theory and in general intention, uh, we, we understand where the bucket theory is going, but the problem is in the execution. So, uh, football fans from the 1970s will remember there were a couple of new teams that year. One of them was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, their coach had a pretty famous line uh, after the team went 0-14. They played 14 games back then. So they went 0-14, and then they started their second season 0-10. So th- it was almost two wow. years before they even won a game. So a reporter came up to the coach afterward and said, uh, Coach, uh, what do you think of your team's execution? And his answer was, I'm in favor of it. Boom, boom. <laughs> That's a good one, Rob. Yeah. Glad we snuck that one in. Yeah, sure. Hopefully we don't cut it out. So, <laughs> uh, but, but really look, it, it goes, it goes down to how, how you execute. And, and I think one of the things that at Sun Garden, we really pride ourselves on is the idea that, investing is not simply like buying a house and saying, all right, I'm going to live in this house for 20 years. And and at the end of 20 years, I'm going to sell it. Uh, that That is not the way investing used to work that way. We can romanticize about it, uh, sure. but uh, about the way it used to be. And, and, and you and I, Vince have seen and lived through the transition from it's all about the long term to it is all about the long term in terms of your long-term objectives, but people have intermediate and short-term objectives and uh, investing is now really a combination of ownership of some investments and rental of others. It's also a combination of things that generally will, will move in the direction of the stock market when it's going up and also in the direction of the stock and bond markets when they're going down. And so that's sort of the the introduction to how we differ from uh, the masses because it's become quite a big marketing ploy uh, in our industry, hasn't it? Sure. Yeah, it definitely has. And I think that along with uh, traditional asset allocation or modern portfolio theory or whatever you want to call it, you know, between the bucket theory and modern portfolio theory, I'd say we we pretty much rail against both of those. And I think it gets back to back to today's topic, which is why do we think in multiple time frames? And I would say that that's our way of of diversifying, right? That's our way of breaking up our portfolio and our process into distinct time frames so that there are things, Robin. I know you said it's not like you. It's not like we buy something and we plan on holding it for twenty years, like like your home. But we do have things in the portfolio that we truly love their businesses, equities, and 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 what they do. We really like their businesses, and we do intend to hold those for a long time. Yeah, and and I think the adjustment that we've made over the years is that we will have a core group of investments 
And what will change over time, especially in volatile markets, is how much of those we own. So if it's stock ABC or it's uh, investment segment or asset class XYZ, Mm-hmm. We we may own a two percent position today, and a month from now it might be four, and a year from now it might be five or it might be one, but it'll probably still be in the portfolio. So, uh, if you will, position weighting really becomes a a bigger uh, a bigger part of it. So yeah, but I think it's important to let our listeners know and understand that by doing that, and let's just take our longer term core investments, if you will, for a minute, by by segmenting those out and, and putting them in that core part of the portfolio, we look at them differently than the other parts, right? We look at them differently than the things we're gonna we're gonna rent and we and we look at them differently than the things we're gonna trade. So maybe you as as our chief investment strategist can just get into a little bit of the nuances with, with with our listeners so they can understand what that means from from an investment management standpoint sure well really the the biggest thing differentiating a core investment from a tactical or we used to refer to them sometimes as guests you know you have you have things that you own and things are just you're kind of renting or they're guests in your home and that can be for you know several months but it's probably not for several years yep. so what makes a core investment a core investment is something where you say I feel like I have, let's take a stock because it's a little bit easier to understand. So uh, it's a business that we don't think is going away, probably has a solid credit history and uh, is uh, in a business where it likely has a, a wide moat, as we would say. Uh, they're somewhat insulated from competition, at least in, in, in the short run. And uh, they have a very sustainable business model. And, and frankly, I mean, we feel like we can understand it. That's something we can get our arms around and say, you know, if this stock were to drop by uh, a fairly large amount, we're probably not going to bail on it because it's, you know, it's not like we have 90% of the portfolio in this. It's a, it's a, it's a smaller part of the portfolio that is going to be turned over and changed over much less frequently and uh, just think about the market environment we had in uh, late 2018, early 2018, uh, back in 2016, 2008, yeah. nine. There have been many examples where uh, you do having having a a uh, sort of a Chinese wall between hey these are things we're going to own as core longer term investments. Uh, and and the shorter term rentals, uh, I think is is very very important. And one other uh, thing, quickly, is you know, as opposed to the bucket theory, it, it's this is not static. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that kind of annoys us is when a financial planner, investment manager, decides that somebody's allocation is going to be permanent. You know, you're always going to have X percent of your money in this asset class or in this yeah. time frame. Yeah, and uh, you know, life, does, life doesn't work that way, does it? No, not anymore. That's, that's a great point, Rob. And, and um, had a really interesting lunch meeting that I haven't been able to catch you up on with, with a gentleman who's uh, been in our business for a while. And, and the first thing he said mm-hmm. to me was, 
why would you allocate client assets to an asset class that you don't think is going to do well over the next couple of years? And uh, frankly, I had to tell him we, we don't do that. <laughs> it's like such a simple thing when you look at it that way. It's just like, don't put money somewhere just because some asset allocation program told me I should have money in that asset class all the time. I mean, may we, may we, may we dive into that just a little bit? And yeah, no, play, let's do it. I'm, I'm going to play facetious Rob here. Okay. Not, not chief investment Rob. All right. So facetious Rob would ask Vince right now. Well, so why, why is that? I mean, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you just, you know, lock into having 60% of your money in stocks and 40% in bonds. I mean, it always works out in the end, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I guess it, it, we're all dead in the end too. <laughs> so I mean, the, I guess it depends on what investor uh, experience you're looking for. Right. And, and I think for us as a firm, our overreaching philosophy is that we're, we're trying to create uh, obviously an experience that helps our our clients and and folks pursue their goals right that's that's our our number one objective but we also want it to be a pleasant investor experience along the way and what what you and I have learned in our co- what 50 some odd collective years in this business and, and I don't know how many uh, market cycles we've been through but it's it's been quite a few. And, and I think we both learned the hard way that a, a 40 or 50 percent drawdown in your assets, uh, especially at a, a critical time like pre-retirement or when you're taking income, it's not it's not a great experience. Yeah. And and I think, uh, you know, what a lot of this goes to, Vince, is that uh, a lot of the planning techniques like the bucket strategy, OK, in, in the pre-call today, uh, Matt was mentioning to us, boy, there's a lot of advisors who use that bucket theory and they kind of use it for seminars and, you know, marketing, uh, uh, fodder. And you know why? Because it's not very time consuming an investment process. And isn't that the common denominator with so much of what we see out there and, and really what, what the difference is with Sun Garden when you come down to it, uh, we're, we're not just setting something up to kind of set it, forget it is a term I've, I've heard you use before, which maybe you'll talk about called uh, the lazy portfolio. Yeah. And it, it seems to me that what the investor always has to figure out is why is my advisor endorsing this approach to asset allocation, short-term versus long-term investing, buckets, what have you. Yeah. Uh, we're, in, we're objectives-based investors, and that is, implies that you can't just kind of set it and forget it. And you can't certainly can't be lazy. Yeah. Amen to that. I mean, it is, it's hard work, right? I mean, you you really have to spend a lot of time and effort and energy into research and, and putting together a process and, and really coming in every day to, do what you need to do to move that forward and, and set it and forget it is, is a whole different mentality. It's just like, Hey, we're just going to put money in a bunch of different asset classes. And we're just going to rebalance it a couple of times a year and let it rip. And look, you can't argue with the fact, Rob, that that has worked well for a long, long time. Indeed. But I, but I so I'm not, uh, I'm certainly not knocking anyone who thinks that it's a good theory because 
it certainly is, or, or I guess it was, but what you need to realize is that, like we talked about in our last, I think it was two podcasts ago, that the markets just don't work like they used to. Mm-hmm. And, and you couple that with the fact that we're in a bond bear market that started a year and a half ago or so. You'll know the date better than I will, Rob. But you know, July 16. <laughs> so, you know, I'd say the whole, a, a big piece of that the the bucket theory or even modern portfolio theory is predicated on uh, on a bull market in in bonds which i don't think we're going to get moving forward so anywho uh, we're happy to do it look we we're we're happy to to champion this type of an approach where we're invested in in assets and asset classes that we truly believe are going to do well moving forward not just for the sake of having them in a portfolio and then i think what what's even cooler about thinking in multiple timeframes is that by carving out a, a long-term piece, something somewhere in the middle of that, and then a, a, a more tactical slash, uh, you know, opportunistic part of the portfolio that we're able to really come in here every day and, and, and find opportunity no matter what the markets are doing. Yeah. That's, that's really, that, th- those are our buckets. Uh, I think we, you know we can we can use the same uh, phrase if we want to, and and that kind of brings us back to that sequence of returns thing that I talked about before. Everything is fine as long as you don't have a big drop in in the portfolio happen right before you need the money. And a long time ago, somebody told me that risk is not really what most people think it is. Risk. Uh, is not volatility. Volatility is just you know moving up and down in in wide uh, wide range of of the prices of the securities in your portfolio. But risk is hey, I'm sitting here now. Uh, I have a long term plan, and part of that long term plan is in seven years I'm going to retire. So six and a half years from now, you, my advisor, better not leave me open to seeing a portion of my portfolio crack by 20, 30, 40%. And uh, the, where I've seen it in, in my career, and granted, uh, uh, you're certainly a lot more involved in the, the sort of direct client advisory than I am, but I, I, I've, I've seen and heard over the years situations where, as an example, somebody has a 529 plan investment for the kids, and uh, they, uh, they put the money in when the child is born. And for the first uh, uh, 16, 17 years, things are going great. And gradually, um, that plan is shifted so that it doesn't have as much in stocks, and then it has more money invested in bonds. Uh, well, that's great. But what happens if interest rates go up all of the 1970s, certainly one of the major threats over the next several years, and as that kid is going through college, they've got 80% of their 529 plan in something that no one ever thought could go down because we haven't seen bonds go down in 30 years. And it's just, like you say, relying on the past and expecting that it's going to repeat itself. And it doesn't, if it doesn't repeat itself next year, oh, the year after, the year after. These are mm-hmm. secular events that we're talking about. Sure. So, so let's talk about the different tools that we have in our toolbox to take advantage of this type of thinking. You know, I, I, and I'll just list them off really quickly, but I, I also want folks to know and be cognizant of the fact that you, you can't paint these all uh, with the same brush either. Uh, st- I mean, stocks, 
certain types of bonds, ETFs, closed-end funds, mutual funds, inverse ETFs. Uh, there's so many, the beauty part about it uh, with all these different products and ETFs out there, Rob, is there's so many different things out there that we, it's not like there's any lack of uh, uh, of tools for us to to really roll up our sleeves and get the job done. That, that's right. Uh, and, and in our practice, we tend to stick to uh, securities that are liquid by the day or intraday. Yeah. So yeah, generally, it, you know, stocks, perhaps individual uh, bonds in some cases, maybe a little less so than in the past. Yep. Uh, ETFs have become a, uh, a big part of it. And I think if we drill down for a minute there, it may help. Uh, and I do want to call attention to something that we, uh, we put out in the street.com every month. It used to be something that we sent to our clients uh, called the Investment Climate Report, which contained the Investment Climate Indicator, uh, which is our kind of bottom line assessment of of what's the reward risk trade-off for investors, generally speaking. So uh, we went to Stormy, uh, which is the lowest uh, level and the most dangerous level back in January 2018. People thought we were crazy. Remember that? Well, yeah, yeah. We we got a lot. We got a lot of got a lot of questions at the time. Yeah, sure. I mean, it was right around the time the market peaked, and you know, it's not yeah. a timing indicator per se. But look, you know, the uh, as of this recording, I mean, a year into it, it has not. Uh, I mean, it's it's been a stormy environment. But yeah. you know, the the thing that that uh, I put together for the the street dot com every month, it took that broad view of the markets, which is more of just a write up that I do, and and then you know, we started uh, in the research department here. We started doing some. Uh, number crunching on a wide variety of ETFs. And it was only then, you know, I mean, this is several years ago, but uh, it wasn't until we went and did that. It was like, wow, we came up with something called the the SunGarden 100, a SunGarden ETF 100. And it's everything from stock ETFs that cover the broad markets, large cap, small cap, Dow, S&P, NASDAQ, et cetera, to different styles to industries, sectors, non-U.S., international and emerging markets. Uh, On the bond side, there's plenty of varieties, U.S. and non-U.S. There's gold. You've mentioned the inverses. So it's a big pinwheel, if you will, which allows us to be what we are at the core, which is long-short investors and allows us to be tactical. And frankly, uh, it makes for a nice complement uh, to that core investment portfolio that you were talking about before, because that's usually individual stocks. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's so cool. And, and I, I'm going to bring up gold for a second and I'm not bringing it up because, because we like it or we don't like it. And please, I, I don't want anyone to take this as a recommendation to go out and, and do anything with gold, but there's there's an ETF for that. Right. And, and, and back when you and I started in the business, Rob, it would have been, infinitely more difficult to invest in a physical commodity like gold or silver or even any other physical commodity for that matter. But nowadays, there's an ETF for that. You, you can be tactical and get in there. And if you and as an analyst and a portfolio manager, if you feel like you want to take a position in something like that, you can do it fully liquid, buy it today, sell it a week later. I mean, it really and, is great. 
And this is and one of the nice, uh, many nice parts about doing this uh, podcast with you guys is that I always get at least one idea for a future podcast. We probably should do one that's at least a little bit of a drill down on on sort of ETF do's and don'ts because there is this general opinion out there that ETFs are as simple as uh, you know, picking a widely regarded index and yeah. uh, getting it for the lowest uh, cost that you can. And one of the reasons that uh, we were really happy when the street.com came to us and said, you know, can you, can you produce a, um, uh, you know, sort of a monthly column newsletter type format for us, uh, you know, which included this ETF analysis that we just commonly refer to as the crunch uh, they're crunching a lot of numbers in different ETF sectors. But we were so happy that they did that because it does give us a chance to show off our experience and expertise in this rapidly emerging area. Uh, a lot of investors haven't heard of an ETF right now. Uh, maybe they've heard of mutual funds, but this yeah. uh, uh, this, this is going to change. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, there are so many nooks and crannies in oh, in the market and and Vince, I mean, this is really sort of the reality of the way the investment markets are. A lot of the things that we do, you know, in the investing evolution, our tagline is uh, we don't necessarily you know, we, we don't create the changes in the way the market behaves and how it needs to be addressed. We respond to that and we don't respond by just using the same rules and crossing our fingers and hope that they work. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's that's an important Point. And I think an important distinction that you, you touched on in describing different types of ETFs is that, yeah, there's these big, broad, inexpensive, um, broad market ETFs that we really don't use very often. We like to get into the nooks and crannies and find the ones that have uh, interesting um, you know, metrics for, for choosing the group of companies that are in there. And a lot of times it's, it's less rather than more in, in our book. Um, but it, it, it's a really efficient way to get in there and, you know, and be able to get exposure to things that, that you know, specifically what you want in the portfolio. And to try to put a cherry on top of this and bring it back to the theme of uh, this podcast, thinking in multiple time frames, uh, you know, believe you me or believe you us for the listener, when we analyze an individual ETF or a stock uh, even to some extent with the in, uh, the inverses that we use, we have a pretty good idea once we've done the research on it. Is this going to be a rental? Is this going to be an own? Is this going to be let's rent it first and see, and then oh, yeah. maybe decide to own it? You know the the yeah. and and I guess the other the other point about this, you know the. Sorry, going to be one more sports analogy, and it's football season as we speak here, so I'll throw another one in. So. The uh, when a, when a running back has the ball and uh, they only need to get, let's say, a half a yard for a first down. Well, they're they plunge into the line. They're trying to get that half a yard. But is there some rule that says that they just uh, even though their intention was to get a half a yard and get the first down that they can't keep running? Of course, they can keep running. So yeah. they can go for a few yards and get tackled. And occasionally. They're going for that half yard, big hole opens up, and they take it all the way to the house. Oh, they baby. score a touchdown. All right. Yeah. So it's yeah, like that's that. a good analogy, it's Rob. It's like that with this too. Sometimes yeah. sometimes an own becomes a rent, and sometimes a rent becomes an own. And and that kind of again puts a cherry on top of this whole idea where where just 
defining buckets or or asset class allocations and leaving it alone and rebalancing back to it, it's good in theory, but markets don't always cooperate with the theory. And so you need to be tactically oriented and objectives based all the time. Yeah. 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 And, and, and nimble. Yeah. I I think what's, what's different about the way you treat uh, an investment when you put it in one of those timeframes is, is that, you know, you're going to treat a guest differently and then you're going to treat a, a core long-term investment. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, we, we just won't have as much tolerance with it. Yeah. No, you, you put it on a short leash. If it doesn't go your way, and then you're out of there. Well, there's an old uh, definition I heard a long time ago. Uh, uh, definition of investor is a disappointed speculator. And we do not want to uh, live up to that. And uh, nor do our investors. No. Yeah. Good point, Rob. So Should we invite Matt back in? Matt, yeah, I don't, I don't even know if Matt's here. I fell asleep a little while ago. Actually, no, it was. it's funny, Rob, when you told your first joke, I was laughing and realized I'm so glad I have my mic turned off right now because I was laughing. I thought that was funny. Vince was like, yeah, that wasn't funny very much. So today, <laughs> today, today, I just want to highlight just a couple of different things. Number one, I'm really looking forward to the ETF podcast. I think that's going to be very well received, you know, really breaking down so that people truly understand what that is. So I'm looking forward to that. Rob, I look forward to the fact that today, you know, you, you had some really good stories, some good sports analogies, and you were funny with that first thing. Vince, I never knew you were such a Debbie Downer. I mean, he's like, yeah, and the only other thing is death, right? So uh, I was like, wow, he just said that on a podcast. Um, and then my kind of closing thought on this, because I really, I was just sitting here listening, because I, I find all of this stuff very fascinating. And um, if if you're looking at something like, you know, a theory of buckets, or or if you as a as a person think that you could have come up with it yourself really how much is that worth right when you when you hear how Vince and Rob are talking about the complexity and and how well they're able to take that complexity and make it somewhat understandable but at the end of the day you still know I need somebody like this because you know I can't do this on my own the first time I heard about the bucket theory guys I was like wow that's surprisingly simple oh and there's products that go directly in to each of those amazing. buckets. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, any, I've been doing this for a while. So anyway, you're guys. The marketing, you're the marketing expert, right? Uh, create, create, a, I know. create a need and uh, and then the products to fill it, right? That, that's absolutely right. And it's nice that you guys have uh, still been able to fill, right, all of these different income needs and things that happen with, with people as they, as they go through the different chapters of their life. Uh, but you do it in the way that you do. So I want to thank you guys. I had a super, I know that I didn't say anything, but I had a great time listening to you. Uh, do either of you have any uh, parting thoughts that you want to say before we drop off? Sorry, I was a Debbie Downer, man. Oh, so I know. It's all right. That's all right. So, <laughs> you know what? We'll, we'll leave it at Listen, that. Listen, I'll step up my game for the next <laughs> yeah. one. I'll step Usually that's my role, <laughs> but uh, no, yes. thanks. And uh, looking forward to, uh, to to exploring a lot more of this on future podcasts. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah. So if you guys haven't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. And also, you've got to know somebody who needs to hear this. So make sure that you click that share button. And if you would be super duper awesome, uh, if you could go ahead and click uh, whatever stars you think this podcast is worth and also provide a review, we'd greatly, greatly appreciate that, too. So for the Investing Evolution podcast, Rob and Vince, this is Matt Halloran, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for listening to the Investing Evolution podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
Vince Esposito and Rob Isbitz are investment advisor representatives with Dynamic Wealth Advisors, DBA Sungarden Investment Research. All investment advisory services are offered through Dynamic Wealth Advisors. The material in this podcast has been distributed for informational purposes only. The material contained in this podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell any security or offer any investment advice. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in any form or referred to in any other publication without expressed written permission. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Vince Esposito and Rob Isbitz are also the sub-advisors of the Dunham Alternative Dividend Fund. Investors should consider the investment objectives, risk factors, charges, and expenses of the Dunham Alternative Dividend Fund carefully before investing. This and other important information is contained within the fund's prospectus, which may be obtained by contacting your financial advisor or by calling toll-free 800-442-4358. Please read prospectus materials carefully before investing.